Hey now, welcome to another edition of the Inside BS Show. My name is Dave Lorenzo, and today we're talking to my friend Arnie Brown, and here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk a little bit about banking, we're going to talk a lot about business development, and we're going to talk a lot about what you need to do to create great relationships with your clients. My friend Arnie is a master of this. He's going to share his expertise in the area of banking, in the area of relationship development. I can't wait to introduce you to this guy. Please join me in welcoming Arnie Brown to the Inside BS Show. Arnie, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Dave. I'm uh, really happy to be here, and it's a pleasure and honor to be part of your show. Thank you. Well, it's an honor to be with you, Arnie. So tell us, how did you how did you get into banking? Were you were you uh were you like a little baby banker walking around your house loaning money to your family members and then collecting interest at the end of the week? How did you become a banker? <laughs> well, I was trying to fill my piggy bank a little bit quicker to my sister, but um, actually, I uh, I thought I'd go into dentistry. My dad was a dentist in uh, Morton Grove, Illinois, up in the North Shore of Chicago, and uh, decided uh, not to go into that practice. Because I didn't want to uh, look into mouths all day and deal with uh, blood and that kind of stuff. So I started to, uh, when I went into uh, finance at Indiana University, I was trying to figure out what the heck I'd want to do. And uh, it was going to be banking, was it going to be uh, brokerage. But I, uh, I decided I liked the people aspect of banking. You do get to learn a lot about other people and industries. So it sounded like a lot of fun. I did talk to a lot of people and veered to the finance uh, degree with banking. So that's how so- I started. Yeah, how much of your day, Arnie, is spent talking to talking to business owners, talking to business leaders, talking to people out in the community? How much of your day are you are you like either virtually or in person in front of other people? Yeah, Dave, I like to uh, like to get out as much as I can. Um, I do have a lot of responsibilities internally to take care of our existing clients, so we do spend a fair amount of time uh, internally. But uh, we do want to get out there. I do uh, spend a lot of time with different. Uh, board and boards and giving time uh, to other people. But I'm out there in the marketplace all the time. I do a lot of professional networking through provisors, as you know, and other other groups. And I think it's very important. So I'm out quite a bit meeting with clients, uh, going to uh, lunches, breakfasts, and uh, really just staying on top of my portfolio and my group. Yeah, talk a little bit about professional services because you're uh, you're a senior person at the bank and you work with professional service providers. What makes working with CPAs, architects, lawyers, what makes working with them different than working with entrepreneurs and CEOs of, of other types of businesses? That's a great question. It's... Um when you're dealing with law firms, and I've uh, I've ran law firm groups uh, in the past uh, from my uh, past banking history, and uh, it's a different type of lending. It's very specialized. Uh, we deal with uh, professional service firms, so you have many partners and owners of uh, of groups like that, and you're trying to keep everybody happy as much as you possibly can. So it's uh, it's a little challenging at times because everybody's got their own thoughts on what they want in a bank and what they want to you know what they want to do. Uh, with their uh, business as far as referring it out to, to other people. So it, it's a little bit challenging. Um, when you're dealing with a business, say a manufacturer, a wholesaler, distributor, which I've done for many years in the past too, you've got typically one or two CEOs or decision points. But with a law firm, you could have a couple hundred partners. You could have anywhere from uh, one to two owners on up to several hundred. It just depends. So it's a little bit more challenging because you're trying to please a bigger audience. And that audience is... Uh, uh, can be challenging at times because they want to be able to use uh, business back. To, they want business back to them as well. 
if they're feeding you banking business, they want to make sure they're getting, say, a law firm might want to do some of your uh, transactional work. They want to you know, work for the bank. So we're trying to kind of make things uh, meet in the middle as much as we can. Yeah, that can be that can be a real tough balancing act. But you've got you've got a good size network. So do you do you often find yourself introducing lawyers to other people who can do business with them? And they, they love that, right? Yeah, that's one of the keys. We have to uh, provide added value. We've got to uh, you know make sure that we uh, are trying to help them out as well. Uh, can't be one sided. We want to uh, try to connect them with people that might be of uh, value, helping them grow their own business. So it's uh, very important we try to keep them in front of people introduce lawyers to accountants uh you might have other uh, consulting people uh, it's really all over the place dave you got to be creative in this business and uh and not just be uh, thinking of yourself you got to give back and that's what i try to do and when you so when you bank a professional a professional firm what um what service offerings make the most sense for you and and the bank to provide to them we're back again with another Sandrowski Business Minute. And today we've got Catherine Raker, the tax expert from Sandrowski Corporate Advisors with us. Okay, Catherine, I'm going on a business trip and I'm going to be out of town. Is the entire trip a write-off? How much can I write off from that trip? If you're on a business trip, you really need to look at the facts and circumstances about your trip. So if you're on a business trip and the expenses that you're incurring are ordinary and necessary, then yes, you can take that deduction. If you're on a personal trip and you add some business to it, then you have to be really careful. You could deduct the expenses that directly relate to the business portion of your trip. Additionally, in a very conservative manner, you could deduct some of the expense in um, your travel on how you um, arrived or left or got to to and fro the to the destination. Um, so, for example, if you were on a 10-day personal trip, and within that, you spent two days doing just pure business, no personal type activities, then I would say, well, maybe 20% of the cost of what it was to get to your destination could be an actual business expense. Um, you want to be careful to make sure that you err on the side of conservatism with business travel. All right, Catherine, so I'm a lawyer and I'm going to Hawaii to take a deposition. I'm going to Hawaii. I work while I'm on the plane. I take the deposition in Hawaii. I don't lay around in the sun. I get back on the plane. I go home and I work while I'm on the plane on my way home. Is that a business trip that's completely deductible? Yeah, that sounds like you had no personal agenda in going. It was all business. I would deduct 100% of that. All right, so now I go on the trip. I take the deposition, but then I go visit a volcano. Can I deduct the trip to the volcano, the expense for the trip to the volcano, on, uh, as, as, a, as a tax deduction? Oh, no, I would not do that. That is a personal expense, clearly. All right. Remember what Catherine said. You want to err on the side of conservatism when it comes to business travel. This has been today's Sandrowski Business Minute with Catherine Raker. Catherine, thank you for your time and your fantastic advice. You're welcome. Um, with a say a firm like a, uh, a law firm, I'll, I'll just stay with that for right now. Uh, with them, you want to obviously open an operating account. You want to have them the primary checking account, their IOLTA account, which is a uh, a trust account they have to keep for, for the clients. And then above and beyond that, you've got uh, bells and whistles with treasury management products. Uh, you know, sometimes you might have uh, lock boxes, you might have uh, expert accounts payable, expert accounts receivable, uh, positive pay. There's a lot of fraud going on right now out there in the uh, 
in the banking industry, and we're trying to protect our clients as much as possible. And Positive Pay does that. So, uh, and then we're also yeah. also trying to help them on the uh, personal side as well with their private banking needs. Oh, that's that's really interesting. So, how do you t- teach us teach us how to start that conversation? So, you're working with a banker, or, or I'm sorry, you're working with a you're working with a professional firm provider. You're working with an attorney, and how do you how do you take that conversation and and get into some of the some of the personal things that they do? How do you how do you make that switch? Yeah, a lot of times you might be dealing with a, a law firm uh, that. A, a partner all of a sudden is a uh, income partner or he's a uh, associate. So now he has a chance to become an equity partner. They say, okay, congratulations. You, you've now uh, attained the status. You brought a lot of business in. So we'd like to uh, give you some ownership in our firm. Well, go ahead and uh, either you could write us a check because you now owe us uh, your equity ownership or whatever. So that they might come to the bank for that. We do a fair amount of that. Um, or they might finance it internally. So when you start talking about that, you do get a personal financial statement. Things come from that. You might see uh, uh, a guy has a, a nice mortgage, nice size mortgage. You want to talk to them about what kind of rates they're paying, try to save them money. You might see also that they have a fair amount of liquidity. So they might want to uh, talk to your, uh, your wealth management group. Uh, we might be able to deliver some nice uh, uh, advice to them. We, we try not to do that with any strings attached. If they want a second set of eyes, and I always push that, please let us have a look. We'll uh, we'll take care of you, and there's no no uh, restrictions and no uh, no upfront uh, commitments we're asking for. So it's just yeah, one out. of the things one of the things I always encourage my professional firm clients to do, Arnie, is I like I like them to buy hard assets, right? Because professional firms, it's all goodwill, it's all their relationships with their clients, and if they if they they want an exit strategy, if any one of the partners, particularly like one of the name partners who has a lot of a lot of ownership in the firm, if they want an exit strategy at some point. Those assets are always going to be uh, always going to be valuable for 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 that exit. Or if they get into trouble, let's say there's a there's a lull in their business and they they want to they want to increase their line of credit. They can use the asset perhaps as a way to increase their line of credit. So have you ever have you ever worked with them to help them get mortgages for their commercial space so that they can buy their own buildings that sort of thing? Sure, that's one thing we do uh, offer. Uh, we do a lot of uh, owner-occupied lending on mortgages, so we're happy to uh, to take a look at that. We'll uh, obviously try to figure out what kind of space they need. Typically, with law firms and professional service firms, you try not to have them uh, have more than 10% of their revenues going toward uh, a mortgage payment or rental. So you want to make sure to keep them in line and uh, not over you know overstep what their means and what they should. Um, so yeah, certainly we do that, Dave. Uh, a lot of them, I, I work with a lot of also uh, tenant reps that will help place firms into uh, nice size office buildings downtown and try to make referrals that way, try to introduce people that could deliver value. But certainly we'll look at uh, at direct financing for uh, properties. If they want All to. right. So now let, let's talk a little bit about law firms and lines of credit, Arnie. Yeah, sure. we, got, we, have a lot of, we have a lot of people who listen to the show, who watch the show, who may be sole practitioners, maybe they're they're just going out on their own. Give us give us uh, a good little brief little course on what you need to do to make sure that you're the best candidate for the for the uh, for the optimum line of credit if you're in a professional firm. Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. We we've dealt with all kinds of firms. We'll deal with uh, one man shops all the way up to thousand plus attorneys. Um, and we a lot of times you'll get a group that 
say that with a large law firm, they want to uh, break out. So you might get 10, 10 guys, 10 partners, 10 associates. They want to break out. They want to start their own gig. And uh, for whatever reason, it might not be aligning right now with their current firm. They want to start their own thing, maybe make a little bit more money. Uh, lawyers like to, uh, they like to make money. It's called profits per partner. So uh, they might want to start up their uh, uh, new practice. So what we'll do is we'll um, typically sit down with them. We'll ask them to put together a little business plan as far as, you know, here, here's the law of practice and here's what we're planning on doing. Ten people. Uh, this might be our needs. We're going to ask for a little bit of sources and uses. What might you want to uh, finance up, up front? A lot of times these guys are thinking that they're going to try to uh, do it all with bank financing. They need to probably come in with a little bit of capital. And uh, so we'll, we'll try to find a happy medium. We're, there's nothing that's in a box. Uh, we want to look at their experience. You know, if they have a nice tenure with their existing firm, with other firms, and this is a group that has proven themselves uh, with the existing firm, we're happy to go up, set up, set up a line of credit with them. We might do it based on a borrowing base, which is uh, like an 80% of the receivables that they have. But a lot of times they need money up front. They want to uh, finance some capital expenditures. We're happy to do that. Um, we will probably ask for a uh, some recourse to them, the uh, guarantees, because um, obviously things for a new firm could go a little bit <laughs> not as planned sometimes, and uh, we'll work with them. So it's uh, nothing in a box. We want to be creative, and we want to help them out. Done a ton of those, Dave. Done a ton of those kind of breakouts. That's great. And and they can come back to you in like 18 months, two years, and ask to have the personal guarantees removed, right, once the firm has some history. Yeah, there's, there's burn down provisions, you know, once they have different levels and it's got profitability, uh, so on and so forth. And it, a lot of times firms want to borrow as much as they can. They're not that averse. They're happy to borrow. But at the same time, they want to take all the profits out of the firm. So sometimes yeah, you either want to have a capital in the firm that's building up from profits, or you want to have, or, or their uh, their equity, or you want to have, uh, you know, bank debt. You got to meet in the middle. You can't always have one, uh, you know, totally. Uh, the bank's got 100 percent into the deal. You keep some yeah. capital in there, or you got to guarantee some things from time to time. All right, now Arnie, let's let's switch gears a little bit, and I want to talk about doing business with a banker, right? How do I, how do I make sure that like, I let, let's say I'm, I'm a brand new lawyer, uh, brand in my, in a sole practice. And I want to establish a relationship with a banker. I tell people all the time, there's two really great ways to establish a relationship with a banker. Number one, take a million dollars and deposit it in the bank. Or number two, refer the banker three big clients and there you go. You got a relationship with a banker either way. What, what are your thoughts? Obviously, those are great, right? But sure. what, are, what, are the, what are the best ways to establish a relationship with a banker before you need a banker? You're talking about as a banking client? Might need yeah, a banker? So let, let's okay. say, yeah, so I know I'm going to move to Chicago yeah. and I want to establish a relationship with Arnie six months before. What are the best ways for me to do it? Okay. Uh, yeah, let's plan ahead. We want to we talk to you as early as we possibly can. I've got... Uh, professionals that have told me that they're planning on breaking away and they're starting their own practice or uh, moving into town like you're talking about. Uh, different time frames happen. Uh, sometimes you don't have as much uh, time as you need to get it, get it going and really think about it. But we want to talk to them as early as possible and, and make sure that uh, uh, what they want is what we can deliver. We've got a lot of products and services, and uh, but really it's more about the personal relationship. There's banks on every corner of the street, especially in Chicago. A uh, ton of competition, so uh, we want to make sure that uh, we give them top-line uh, consistent service. 
We're speaking with Arnie Brown. He's a senior vice president at Fifth Third Bank. He works in professional services. He also does a lot of real estate financing, can help you with some cash management strategies. If you want to reach out to him, you can give him a call at 312-948-1046, 312-948-1046. I'm also going to put his email address down in the show notes if you want to connect with him. Arnie, let's talk a little bit about what you do to attract business to uh, to you and to the bank. And how has your business development changed over the years? So first, tell folks what you're doing today and t- then tell us how it's changed over the years. Yeah, I think it's really important to keep uh, keep a really good network of, of people. I've got a very strong LinkedIn network and uh, I'm also part of Provisors, which you, you are as well. And, and uh, there's a tremendous stable of, of people there that I think very, very highly of. So you want to give back as much as you can. I've got other uh, other groups I participate in. A lot of young folks, co- even coming out of college and all that, you want to make sure that you're you start networking as early as possible. Um, especially through COVID times, uh, people were not didn't have a chance to uh, to do as much face to face. So zooming has been uh, incredibly important over the last couple of years. Uh, but really, stay in front of people. You you want to be there. So when the need arises, say somebody comes to you know to you and says, Dave, you know I need a good banker. Um, uh, you want to be thought of at that time. I want you to think of Arnie. I want you to think of me. Um, a lot of times, people just think everything is immediate gratification. You can't go to one networking meeting. You can't go to one one social and walk away with four or five customers. You'd love to think that, but that's not always going to happen. Plant the seeds. Stay with it. Stay on top of your uh, referral sources and build a nice stable around you. It's uh, incredibly important to do that. So that's my number one recommendation yeah arnie tell us tell us a story tell give us give us a good success story because a lot of people when i encourage them to when i encourage them to do that they're you know this day and age right you can go you can pick up your phone and there's an app on your phone for everything right so everybody wants stuff right now and you and i are cut from the same cloth we'll 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 work on uh we'll work on a network we'll build a network for a year without getting anything back. And then all of a sudden, a year, 18 months in, you get five, six deals in a row and you're like, wow, this really paid off. You and I both know that. Share with us a story about when you put in a lot of time and a lot of effort and you were you, you didn't think it was going to pay off and then, wow, one day it just really paid off for you. Yeah, I, I got to think back in, in time here, but uh, there's a, several of those things do pop to mind, Dave, without intimate details because I can't remember all the, all the little pieces, but I can just tell you, there are people that surface over over the many years that you haven't talked to somebody. You want to you know you want to try to keep in touch with everybody, but when you have uh, such a, a wide stable of, of people and a lot of contacts on LinkedIn, uh, I do remember a situation recently, uh, probably last six months, where a uh, one of my contacts, I think it was an accountant that uh, I hadn't touched base with probably in a year and a half, two years uh, prior. Uh, but all of a sudden, he had the need. He had a, a guy coming to him and wanted to talk about a, uh, a loan for a, uh, a move he was going to be doing. So the guy thought of me. Uh, you know, typically you want to refer maybe two or three people, but let, let a uh, end user decide who they want to use, which banker they want to use. He called me, and I was I was very appreciative. He called me. Uh, we made a uh, a proposal to this uh, to this borrower and ended up doing the deal. So it's it's one that I kind of lost touch with the guy for a couple of years, but. It's, it just goes to show you people hopefully will think about you when the time comes. Everybody's got a different way of organizing their contacts. It's not always very easy to uh, to do that and stay in touch with everybody because people know a lot of people. And uh, you want to help everybody out, but it's not really practical a lot of times to do that. So 
just stay in front of people and, and uh, get involved. So talk to me about the groups that you that you joined. Obviously, you and I both think Provisors is a great group to join, but you got to be, you know, the benefit of joining Provisors is that you can introduce people in Provisors to people you meet in other places. How do you decide what groups you're going to join? In particular, how do you decide like what boards you're going to sit on, what charities you're going to be a part of? What What is your criteria? How do you make those decisions? Yeah. It's uh, that's a great question because there's so many options out there. You could do, uh, you could spend 100% of your days doing networking groups and, and, and doing all that. But unfortunately, you got to do some work too. Um, like I do do business with a lot of law firms, so I'm on a couple boards, like Lawyers for Creative Arts boards. Uh, um, I do a lot of lawyers connecting because I, I do a lot of uh, trade type work with these with these folks. So I, I'm also involved with a lot of architectural firms, engineering. We do a lot of uh, doctor groups, practices. Um, so I, I want to stay involved. I want to try to get out to uh, small business expos and really stay in front of, we, as SBA lending, you're dealing with a lot of companies at all different levels, new, you know, established, ones that want to have a more extended payouts. So I, I'm involved with a couple uh, law firm groups. I'm also involved with a couple general networking groups, breakfast clubs. And uh, it does take a lot of time. It really is something you have to make a really hard effort to, uh, to do and, and succeed with. Otherwise, you could just be scrambling. And uh, people are always coming to you telling you more about uh, you, you should join this group. You should go to BNI, whatever. You can't do everything, as you know, Dave. Yeah. So uh, talk, talk to me about the law firm groups in particular. Which groups did you join and, and why, why did you select them? Yeah, it's a couple of them are really good because I'm I'm the only banker on, on these. It's most mostly law firms. Uh, Lawyers for the Creative Arts is a group I've been involved with for probably 12 years or so. Um, it's a group of really terrific attorneys that uh, give their pro bono time. They're trying to help artists in, in different uh, you know theaters, uh, all different types of uh, arts community, and they've uh, gotten their most of them are major law firms that are uh, that are part of it. And I, I really stay in touch with these folks. I've, I've done business with a lot of these law firms over the past many years uh, when I ran the law firm group at LaSalle Bank, which is, you know, long gone. And uh, and also Lawyers Connecting is a, another great opportunity for me. I've got a number of, now this is more smaller uh, solo practice in, in smaller firms. Um, I want to try to educate them and help them and their clients. Um, but I'm not just trying to say we do law firm business only because we don't. Professional services, we're very expansive. And we'll handle a lot of different types. No, I, I understand. I just, you know, for people who are out there, their their heads are spinning because there's, like you said, there's so many choices. So I want to I wanna gain a window of insight into how you decide, hey, listen, we're going to invest in these and here's the reasons why. And when it comes to clients for the bank, are there any particular clients, particular, especially in professional services, that make more sense because they need more of what the bank has to offer? Uh, yeah, we in the professional services, you really have to offer a top level of uh, top line of uh, service, professional uh, services, and, and, uh, and care touch points. You've got to be tremendous with follow up. You have to really stand top of these folks, and uh, they're expecting um, exquisite. Banking. They don't want to just uh, be anybody off the street. They're demanding. Um, so we, we pretty much are aware of that. We have the support team in place to uh, to give us what we need. And uh, we try to keep them at the highest level of banking they could possibly be. Because we're trying to be a touch point for them to uh, cross-sell other areas of bank that would be helpful for them. 
uh, in their practices and their uh, with any personal needs they might have, corporate needs. So it's really a, a very challenging when we understand top of that. But I've been doing this for many, many years, and it's, it's worked. And uh, professional services is a demanding but very uh, um, appreciated industry. It's, it's great. We love it. Arnie. How do you decide who you're going to refer business to? What is the Arnie Brown criteria for giving out a referral to a doctor's group, a, an architecture firm, a CPA group, or a law firm? Yeah, Dave, that's, that's my number one uh, most important thing. If you refer somebody to another person, to a client, to a prospect, another center of influence, you want to make sure they follow up. You want to make sure the person they're introducing them to comes back to you and says, hey, Arnie, that was really time well spent. The guy followed up with me. He did exactly what he said he was going to do. I'm not going to do business with him right now, but this is a guy I want to know down the road. I like to, my mantra is surrounding myself with quality people. I want to have a stable of individuals that I feel comfortable with, that I know I could trust, and are not going to embarrass me. I mean, if I put somebody in front of somebody that's not going to uh, fall through and <laughs> drops the ball, that's the worst thing you possibly have. Somebody comes back to me and says, hey, you know, this guy was a bozo. Forget it. That would be horrible, and uh, it's happened over time. And you you got to make sure those are the people you push aside and move on to the next uh, opportunity. You do not want that to happen regularly at all. Sure, sure. Now, Arnie, talk about um, really briefly some of the things that you uh, and Fifth Third offer to professionals. What are what are some of the services that you provide to professionals? Some of the things that you do every day for folks who are in professional services. Yeah, we, we can do stuff as uh, basic as a checking account. Somebody wants to have a personal or corporate checking account, all the way on up to all types of uh, cash management products, bells and whistles. I'm not going to bore you with all the, the details. And then above and beyond that, on the lending side, we, we want to do anything for personal lines of credit, uh, mortgages for the home. Uh, then you start getting into business stuff and uh, lines of credit, revolving lines of credit for the business, uh, term financing if they want to buy some equipment or uh, bring in a capital partner, buy out another uh, another practice. We're, we're all about acquisition financing, too. We'll try to help people out if they want to uh look at uh, another acquisition, either vertically or uh, whatever will help their business. And then really across the board, we'll help them on any kind of personal needs they have. Uh, they might want to buy a, uh, a yacht or something. We could we can go into that kind of structure as well. I don't get into that very often, but that's uh, it's not out of the realm of possibilities. All right, Arnie. So, so I do I, I do some I do a fair amount of practice group acquisition work and that sort of thing. Talk about how uh, talk about how that works. What will, what would we what would we need to prepare if we're if we're coming to you? I, let's say I have a client and the client is a, is a corporate transactional firm and they're buying an intellectual property firm. What do we need to bring to you? Obviously, you want financial statements and everything. Do you need personal information from uh, from the partners on both sides? What are you going to need to see in order to determine whether you're going to be able to help them with financing for something like that? Number one, we, we understand uh, competition. and We don't want to be an outlier and uh, request something that another uh, bank might not want to do because we could be pushed aside and all of a sudden uh, we could be a uh, non-factor right away. Uh, we want to look at both sides of the equation. So if you're looking at one firm acquiring another firm, if it's a different type of practice, you know, okay, what, why, what do you know about this kind of practice? Is this just something you want to expand on to have a little bit more uh, depth in your law firm practice? Um, so we want to look at what the nature of the receivables are, who the clients are they're, they're dealing with. Um, are they 
maybe there's cross referral opportunities there. If it's a corporate law firm and an IP firm, uh, you, obviously there's a nice blend there. Uh, they want to add that. They might want to add a, uh, a state planning unit or real estate group to their firm. So you want to understand the individuals behind it, uh, what their experience is, and not just financials, but uh, certainly you want to make sure that they can uh, absorb the, uh, the financial impact. A lot of these structures are very, uh, very uh, different too. You might have a buyout. You might have all of a sudden they just roll the equity into the new firm. So Dave, there's, there's not really one type of uh, requirement, but we want to understand the practices, both groups very much in detail. Yes, when it comes to personal, yes, about personals, yes, we might want to look at their personal financial statements as well. Um, but really understand the corporate side of things and, and what it's all about the chemistry and uh, how these firms will melt. I've done a lot of law firm and other other types of firms uh, acquisitions where they uh, the chemistry is horrible and the thing breaks down. All of a sudden you see partners leaving over the next year and you've got a skeleton situation and it, they're fragile. Um, Firms can be very fragile and uh, turn off the spigot really quick. So, all right. So we're we're talking with Arnie Brown. He's a senior vice president, and he's uh, the professional services banker at Fifth Third Bank. If you want to reach out to him, you can you can call him at 312-948-1046. I'm going to give you his email address down in the show notes as well. Arnie, I need you to think about three things right now that you want the folks who are listening, the folks who are watching to take away from our time together. I'm going to give you a minute to do that as I remind the folks that one of the things that we do here, the reason that we come to you, we're brought to you by my revenue roadmap guide. You see, if you're listening to the show, you're watching the show and you want to build your business and you want to do it through relationship-based business development strategies, you need a plan. Well, I've got the perfect business development plan for you. It's the same plan I use with my clients. I customize it for them. I'm going to give it to you now for free. That's right. You heard me correctly. I'm going to give it to you for free. Here's what you need to do. Go to this website, revenueroadmapguide.com, revenueroadmapguide.com. Enter your contact info there and you can download my business development plan for professional firms and you can download it for free. It's my gift to you for listening, for watching the show. Revenueroadmapguide.com. Enter your contact info, download it today. Also, I want to remind you that we love your comments. We love your feedback. So if you're if you're listening on a podcast app, use the comment section of the podcast app to tell us what you think. If you got nothing to say, just write a hey now down at the bottom of the comments. Just say, hey now, Dave. Hey now, Arnie. It was great listening to you. Great watching you. We love those, especially on YouTube. Give us a hey now on YouTube. We love your feedback. Thank you so much for joining us today. All right, Arnie, what are the three things we should take away from our time together today? And number one, do what you say. If people are going to come to you, do what you say you're going to do. Be transparent and be sincere. That's number one. And you, you got to do that. Um, be consistent in your follow-up. Make sure that you're uh, you're going to do exactly what what you said. It's kind of a, a takeoff of the first one. Um, you want to be credible. You want to be honest. So there might be more than three here, Dave. I'm just going to give you a couple. Uh, top. Credibility, honesty, critical. You could destroy yourself if, if, if you don't do that and creative be a good advisor to people and give 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 you want to make sure that you're not just a taker out there there's so many people that do that and they look like they're extremely selfish give 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 and be a good
good follow-up person. And uh, that's all I can say. I really have appreciated this. This is terrific. Uh, Arnie, you're the best. Thank you so much. Folks, if you need help with anything in the realm of banking, call my friend Arnie Brown. He's a senior vice president at Fifth Third Bank. He does professional firms, but if you're a regular business owner, you're an entrepreneur, you're developing a business, you're buying a business, you need some advice on what you're doing with your finances, what you're doing with your banking, give Arnie a call today, 312-948-1046, 312-948-1046. Arnie, it was such a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for joining us today. It was my honor. Thanks so much for having me. Great show. All righty, folks, you. that'll do it for this episode of the Inside BS Show. My name is Dave Lorenzo. I'll be back with you again tomorrow with another interview. Until then, here's hoping you make a great living and live a great life.